Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. If then, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. This is the text, the Lord's word for us this morning. There is a doctrine in scripture known as federal headship. Um, when we look at that, we see that, that when Adam sinned, all of us sinned with him. When, when he fell in the garden, all of us fell with him. So you, you look at our sinful nature, the fact that we're born with a sinful nature. Um, there's debate that has, exists in the world as far as I think people are basically good, some people say. Um, but that's not what God says. God says that when, when Adam, who was created without sin, when he sinned, the entire human race fell with him at that time. So from that point on, everybody who would ever be born, would have a sinful nature that would be passed down through Adam, who was the head, through all people, every one of them, every one of us. Every one of us was born with a sinful nature because it's passed through the seed of the man that when he fell, everybody fell with him. With the exception of one, and that is Christ. You, you look at Scripture and you, you see where God prophesies and tells them different things that would take place and, and you, you try to make sense of it all. And one of the things that was prophesied that was that Jesus would be born from a virgin. And some people may look at that and think, why? I mean, just miraculous? Something that would be miraculous? Well, that's miraculous. But there could be those that were doubters that said, well, how do you know for sure? But you look at it, and what God tells us is that the Messiah would come and he'd be born from a virgin. Why would that matter? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that placed Jesus in the womb of Mary. Didn't have the sinful nature passed down to Christ, born without sin. Therefore, he could be the lamb without spot or blemish or any such thing. And you look at it, and you see the process of, okay, so... Adam sinned, all of the human race sinned with him. Then comes Christ, and he is our federal head. He is the one in whom there was no sin. He is the one in whom lived a life of fulfilling all righteousness, perfectly obedient. He lived here on earth, and, and in his entire time here on earth, he was tempted in all things, yet without sin. Why does that matter to us? Why does it matter that he lived here for 30-some years and lived a life without any sin whatsoever? Well, the reason why is because he is our head now. So when he died, we died with him. It's just radical. You think of Christ upon the cross and him hanging there on the cross and 
the wrath of God coming upon him. I mean, it's, it's a death in which it was just absolutely brutal to think of, of the whippings and being pierced and being mocked and, and this time in which darkness covers the earth and this time in which God turns, the Father turns his back on the Son and all of our sin is all placed upon Christ. Um, when you think of his blood being shed, a lamb without spot or blemish, a perfectly righteous one that, that, that died for us, it's just radical to, to think it wasn't just that he was tortured, but he was. It, it wasn't just that, that you, you picture him upon the cross and you picture the nails that have been driven through his hands and his feet and the crown of thorns upon his head and being punched and being beaten, being spit upon, having his, his beard plucked out, being whipped with the cat of nine tails. All that, that took place there as far as him hanging there on the cross, thirsting, trying to push up on that stake to be able to just even get a breath of air as his lungs are collapsing there. It's not just torture that's taking place because there's others that have been tortured throughout the history of this world in terrible ways. It wasn't just torture. The most incredible thing when you think about the cross is that our sin was placed upon him. The wrath of God was all placed upon Christ. Our, our eternity in hell. I mean, you think of hell. You think of what the Bible talks about when it talks about hell. And it talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth. The fires and quench. The worm can't die. Blackest darkness. Separated from the glory of God for all eternity. I mean, all eternity. They're, they're, you're there a million years and it just seems like a blink. And to think of the wrath that all who have sinned and have not been redeemed through Christ will experience. To think the equivalent of that to each and every one of us was placed upon Christ on the cross. You think of the, the movie The Passion, and, and gosh, I mean, I, I saw people, when, when I watched it, people left the theater, they were just weeping. It was more than they could handle. And, and I, I felt the same sense as I, as I watched that movie. But all I kept thinking is that they can't even come close to showing my sin placed upon him. They can't show the wrath of God being placed upon him. They can't show that. Hollywood cannot show that. They just showed, showed some incredible torture. But to think of, of the weight of that and to think when he experienced that, when he hung there on the cross and he died, we died with him. We died with him. We died with him in such a sense that, that the second death will have no power over us ever again. When God says things, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It means there is no condemnation. All the condemnation that we could have ever taken upon ourselves was placed upon Christ on the cross. There's no more wrath. This is radical to think about. No more wrath. As the, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who put their trust in him, their faith in him, trust that <coughs> when he died on the cross, he took our sins upon himself. Like, gives us his righteousness. For those of us who believe that, have great confidence that 
you are no longer ever, ever going to experience the wrath of God. Which is radical. Because we died with him. Now as you go from there, we also, God tells us, were buried with him. And when he rose again from the dead, we rose again with him. The resurrection is something that theologically matters to us in just incredible ways. He died on the cross, was buried, as he said, for three days, rose again from the dead. And when he rose again, it it showed without any doubt that he conquered sin and death. It showed without any doubt that, that the price that was paid was acceptable to the Father and that the Father caused Christ to rise again from the dead. But it also does something just incredible for us. It means that when he rose again from the dead, picture him. Picture him, picture the, the stone being rolled away, and he is no longer in the tomb. And the cloths are lying there perfectly. You see all that takes place, and, and they say, come and see, he's risen, just as he said. The most exciting thing about it is that we also, when he rose again from the dead, we rose again with him. We who were dead in our trespasses and sins had been made alive with him. And so we rose again with him. Now what I want to look at this morning is the implications of that. Okay, we, we know that he died on the cross for our sins. We know that he, when he died, we died with him. We look at his life of, of, of perfection and we're found in him. So not only are our sins and the wrath that we deserve placed upon Christ, and we died with him. But his righteousness and his obedience is placed upon our account. We were buried with him, and when he rose again, we rose again with him. To where we see in Colossians chapter 3, if then, if then you were raised with Christ. Since that has happened, since you were raised with Christ, How should that affect us? Well, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write, as a result of that, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So I want to look at this morning, this is the implications of what we are here to celebrate this morning, the resurrection. When we think about the resurrection, how do we respond? Well, God says, since when he rose again from the dead, since you rose again with him, you who were dead had been made alive with him, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. What is above? The first thing that comes to my mind is God. God is above. It tells us here in our text, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. So the first thing that we are to seek is God. It says, since you died with him, were buried with him, rose again with him, as a result of that, The thing that you should be constantly, the word there that's being used gives the idea of be constantly seeking. 
Since, since you rose again with him, it changes everything for us. We should be seeking those things which are above. We should be seeking God. Psalm 37, verse 4 tells us, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Seeking him means we're, we're delighting in him. We want to spend time with him. We're to ponder and we're to yearn for the one who reigns in heaven, the one who reigns above. We're to ponder his perfect will for our lives, to be consumed with how Christ can be most glorified in our lives, to be in awe of his power. We're to have our minds overflowing with the risen Christ and the assurance that we have risen with him and our citizenship is now in heaven. So looking first, we're to be in awe of him, seeking him in his power. Those things which are above. Think of those that are in heaven already that have gone before us. Think of those beings, those angelic beings that are in heaven. Those that are already above. What are they doing? I mean, if, if, if God says when, when he rose from the dead, we rose with him. He's talking about a spiritual resurrection that took place. There will be a physical resurrection that takes place, and we, we can't wait for that. Huh? You think of our bodies, these old bodies, and, and, and they'll be resurrected into our new heavenly bodies, and there'll be no more sin, and there'll be no more temptation, and no more pain, no more t- It's all gone. Incredible to think about entering into heaven and the glory. But w- when he tells us this, it's not when you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. It says, if then you were raised with Christ. Since this has happened, seek those things which are above. So, although we're not there yet, as far as in heaven, it is as if we have already been risen with him. We have been made alive with him. When he rose, we rose with him. And so, the implications are, is we are to be seeking him, pondering him, yearning for him. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, to chapter um, 19. There's those that are there in verse 6, Revelation 19, verse 6. John's just, just watching all that's taking place as he's looking at these places where he has been caught up to above to see what's taking place there. And he says, And I heard as it were, the voice of a great multitude. So there's all these people there. All these angelic beings there. And it tells us that it's the sound of, of many waters. And it's the sound of mighty thunderings. This is just radical. I mean, like, we, we don't get mighty thunderings here in Southern California all that much. We need some more mighty thunderings so we can water our lawn again. But if you've ever been to the Midwest, for those of you guys who have gone with us to Africa, like it, there are mighty thunderings that just like cause you just to shudder. I mean, it's like, it's just boom. I mean, it is, it, it is so loud when you hear some powerful thunder. So John's describing it. He's just saying like, <coughs> it was like mighty waters. It was like, like this, this, mighty thunderings that, that, are, that are there. And the people all, all are all there saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. 
So when you think about, okay, we rose again with him. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is, where he's there, the right hand of the Father. Our minds are to bring us to a place of, how should we be thinking then? If we've risen again with him, how should we be thinking? And I'll tell you, I'll look to what they're already saying there. And they're saying, hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent reigns. The Lord God, who is all-powerful, he reigns. He's in control of all things. That's where our minds should bring us to. When we're here on earth and we're saying, okay, we died with him, we were buried with him, and we rose again with him. In light of that, I want my mind to ponder, to think about, to just constantly be looking to God and just to think, he is all-powerful and he is sovereign and he is in control and he reigns. He's sovereign over everything that exists. Our minds should be there because they're not in heaven going like, what's going to happen? I have no idea. He's like, it seems like he's just losing control of everything. I mean, like all these things that we want to see happen, none of them are happening. And it's just like, he is so small. I mean, he presents himself as so big, but in reality, he's so small. And there's things that are happening. And man, I just... Oh, I don't know. Which side should we go on? Should we go to the dark side or should we stay here? You know, and they're looking at it like, what should we do? No, that's not what they're doing at all. I mean, how often do we here on earth just be like, I don't know what God is doing. Why is this happening? I mean, he, I, mean I prayed and I prayed and this didn't happen. And, and we get to a place where we get into a, just being frantic as far as, I got my plans, but God seems to be doing something different. And he's not answering my prayers. And, and we just can work ourselves up so quickly, can't we? And God would say, like, no, since you've risen with him, don't think like that anymore. Have your minds be brought to a place of, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Join the saints that have gone before us. Join those that have seen him just to say, like, we will praise him because he is sovereign and he is in control and he reigns over all things. And even if we don't get it right now, we're okay. We know he's in control. We know he reigns. Incredible to just have our minds go there. We, we are supposed to think like that because we have risen with him. We have been made alive with him. We can no longer think like the world thinks. We can no longer think like we did before we knew our God. We can no longer think like we did before we were new creations, before the Holy Spirit indwelt us, before his word came alive to us. When we read things like, like and we know that all things work together for good to those who love him and are the called, it changes everything for us because we can't have a small view of God anymore that's just frantic. We join the saints that have gone before us and saying, hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. He is in control. It's a glorious thing to be, to have our minds in that place. What else are they doing? What else are those doing that have gone before us right now? The verse goes on and says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. That's where we ought to be. In light of the resurrection and that we rose again with him, there should be this that works in our minds so like, okay, since he reigns, I need to be glad. I need to rejoice. I need to give him glory. I'm not to be like those that are just living in despair as if they have no God. Those that are looking and just saying nothing works out in, 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 in a place of, of this is not how I wanted my life to turn out. We're to be like those that look and say, no, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Therefore, 
I know that in the midst of these circumstances, he can work all those things together for good. He's molding me and shaping me into his image. He never lets me go through anything without him having some kind of plan to use it for my good and for his glory. Therefore, I will be glad and I will rejoice and I will give him glory. Even in the midst of suffering, I will give him glory. I will praise him and it will be done with joy in my heart. Because there's a change. You, you know that he reigns. You know that he's in control. What other things are they doing right now? They're, they're worshiping him. I mean, those that have clarity and are seeing him in his glory, they are worshiping him. Turn just a few chapters back to Revelation 4 and verse 8. There's these four living creatures. Each of them have six wings. We're full of eyes around them and within. And they don't rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. How awesome is that? I mean, when you look and say, like, okay, I want, I want my mind to go on things above. Here's these, these the, I mean, they know. They're these four living creatures. They got six wings. And, and don't think that they don't see what's going on. They got eyes all around them. They see everything. And they're there, and as they're there thinking of God, they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He has always existed, and he is holy, thrice holy, holy. May that be how we think of him now. When we ponder him above now, when our minds go and they're just fixed upon, I have risen with them. Therefore, how should I think? Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, eternal God who was and is and is to come. Turns to the next chapter, Revelation 5, verse 11. Here you have John saying, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders. The number of them was ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and they worshiped him who lives forever and ever. I look at that and it just, they get it. I mean, it's not like, hey, there's a couple that were like a little bit more like charismatic than the rest. And they like got all excited, started singing. The rest of them were just sitting there, you know. No, it's, it's all of them. The number of them was ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands. It was the angels. It was the elders. It was the living beings. It was all of them. They're all there, and their response is, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is Christ to receive glory and or power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is he. He, he deserves all of it. 
I know this for a fact, that when I get to heaven and I see him in his glory, when I see him shining like the sun, there's not even a need for the sun anymore because he is there in all of his glory. When I see him in his holiness and I consider the fact that the one who has always existed became the least of all men and he died on the cross for my sins. He was the lamb that was slain. And I'm there. I'm, I know for a fact I'm going to look back at me and think, your worship was ridiculous here. I mean, you sat there and you felt like, oh, it's so from my heart, you know. But it was just pathetic. But it didn't even come close to what he was worthy of. Not even close. We had a conversation last night in our dinner table when one of my children prayed for the food. Because my child prayed for the food like they wanted to eat real quick. You ever do that? Lord, thank you for the food. Thank you for all you blessed me with. And just thank you for all you do. And give us a great night. In Jesus' name, amen. Pounding. And so we stopped. I said, hold on a second. Do you know that God's here with us right now? Like, you, you talk to him like you're like, hurry up and say thanks. Because I want to I get that Japanese soup in my mouth. <laughs> like, hurry up and say thanks. As if, like, this is like the greatest inconvenience. I just want to eat my tofu. Like, I just, that's where the Otsuji family was at last night. We just kind of stopped. Like, stop, stop. Like, would you, if you were, like, sitting here and you saw him, would you say it like that? And when I preach these things to my kids, it's like coming right back at me like, you know, like, that's you. We had the conversation two nights ago. When you point to someone, you have three fingers pointing back at you, you know. And I'm listening to myself exhort my child. But how often do we do that? Do we pray in such a way as if, like, all right, I know you're not going to do this, but I'm going to pray it anyhow. I'm going to give thanks, but, you know, let's do it. Let's hurry up. I'm going to worship, but I don't like this song. And how much longer? How many more songs are we going to do? How many songs does this church do? (laughs) We do four at the beginning, and we do three at the end. Because we assume at the end you're so excited to worship that you need three, and you're mad when we stop at three. Unless I go long-winded, then we do two. If I go really long-winded, we do one. we worship. If your heart's in a place of, man, this is ridiculous. How much longer is this guy going to sing? No churches do this. They do one song and it's the one that we exit at. And I look and think, you will not be doing that in heaven. You just won't. You're going to be convicted like that you thought that way here. You're going to be looking and saying like, no, he's just, he's worthy of all that is within me. Praising him with my the entirety of my heart. When these 24 elders, they fall down and they worship him who lives forever and ever. Look at Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Okay, so... (coughs) Picture this. 
There's like people from Africa, and there's people from Asia, and there's people from South America. There's people from Europe. There's people from the United States. There's people from all over, from every tribe, from every people, from every nation. There's this great multitude of people. No one can number them. If you wanted to number them, not even possible to number them. And this is what they're saying. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is radical. I mean, you get the idea that these guys, they're up in heaven. They have seen him. They know him. They're there. They're seeing him in his glory. They know how pathetic we were. They know what he has accomplished for us through the cross. And they're there, and all of them are there. And there's this great multitude that's there, and they're all there, and they are just praising him. Salvation belongs to our God. He's the one that saved us. It wasn't us ourselves. He did it all. And you got all of them. They're, they're there together, and they're just saying, like, let's, let's fall on our faces before him. Let's say, amen, blessing, glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Don't ever stop praising him. Let's just keep praising him, and let's keep praising him, and let's keep praising him, because he's worthy of that kind of praise. And I'll tell you, since you have risen again with him, set your mind on things above, and think that way, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Have Easter be such that it works in your heart. To, I rose with him. It changes everything for me. Everything. I'm no longer dead in my sins, but I am guaranteed that I will rise again with him for all eternity. And he has already caused me to rise spiritually. He's done that. He's given me the Holy Spirit as a seal to make it so that I know that I'm kept to the very end because he did this. He accomplished it. My salvation belongs to the Lord. And as these Beings just fall down and they worship and they fall on their faces and they don't stop singing to him and praising him and making up new songs to him. May that be us now. May that be us on this resurrection day when we look at what Christ accomplished for us and think, okay, everything's changed for us. It's, I don't have sin anymore. Rather, I'm clothed with robes of righteousness. I'm no longer dead and spending eternity in hell. I get to be in a place where there's fullness of joy and there's pleasures forevermore. I'm no longer an enemy of Christ. I've been made his bride. I, I pray that our minds going there would just be radical on us. But it should also change the way that we live. Look with me back at Colossians chapter 3. You see here where he tells us, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life was hidden with Christ in God. You died. When you died, you died with him. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. So as a result of this, don't have your mind on the things of the earth. I mean, if, if you've risen again with him, don't think anymore like those that are still here on the earth that have not risen, 
that are still dead in their sins and trespasses. It should be a radical change because inside of you should not be fornication. It should not be uncleanness. It should not be passion. It should not be evil desire. It should not be covetousness, which is idolatry. It shouldn't be any of those things. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now, verse 8, you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Don't, don't be like what you were before. Don't set your mind on the things of this earth where it's just nastiness that comes out of your mouth and nastiness that's going on inside your brain. Stuff that you're feeding yourself where it's just, it's just uncleanness and it's evil and it's passions. It's wrath, it's unforgiveness, it's all of these things that just come out of your life. God's just saying, like, no, you rose again with him. You've been made alive with him. Don't act like you didn't. It should be radically different for us. And instead, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, verse 12, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all things, these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So in contrast to don't set your mind on earthly things, but set your mind on things that are above the heavenly things. What that should mean for us is we put on tender mercies. Caring for people, an emotional caring for people. Tender mercies, I look at those that are broken and it's just, how can I help? I'll do anything. What can I do? How can I minister to you? How can I help you? Put on that. Set your mind on things above where it's just, where Christ is. He is the one who is full of tender mercies. May that be us. Just tender mercies, just coming out of our lives, left and right. And when we sit there and think, we rose with him. Tender mercies should come out of my life. We rose with him. Kindness. Just a readiness to just do things that are good. I mean, you should set your mind on things above where it's just, okay, so, so since, since this isn't my home anymore, and I know my home's there, and I know that, that, that I'm a citizen there, and I know I rose with him, and, and Christ is there at the right hand of the Father, since I know that, and I know that's where I'm going there's going to be a lot of kindness that's poured out to the people that are around me right now. It's going to change the way that I think. It's not all about me anymore because that's how it was before I rose again from the dead with Christ. Now that I'm risen, now that I know where I'm going, now that I know that he's made me alive and he's given me the Holy Spirit as that seal, I just want kindness to pour out of my life. In light of, the, of Easter, in light of resurrection, man, it just changed my kindness. I just want kindness coming out of me. I want humility. When you think, I'm not dead in my sins anymore. I mean, I didn't do anything to get here. I mean, it wasn't any good works. I got here through faith in him. I got here as a result of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, looking upon him. As a result of that, it's all grace. 
mean, it's just ridiculous for us to be a proud people. Like, no one talks to me that way. To be at a place of, don't talk down to me. I mean, you think of like our arrogance when God says, no, you were dead and I made you alive. When I died, you died with me. But when I rose again, you rose again with me. It was all me. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be humble. Just be humble. Be in a place of being clothed with humility. When you set your mind on things above, the result is humility in us. None of us will be in heaven thinking how awesome we are. You don't hear any of these guys here going like, I told you, I told you I'd pull it off. I mean, go through the record. None of it, none of it is like, man, I nailed that one. You don't see it. All you see here is just blessing and glory and honor and power belongs to him. We'll fall down before you. It's you. You were the lamb that was slain. I mean, all of it is giving glory to him. So God help us not to be proud right now. Set your mind on things above. Let there be meekness with us. Patience, long-suffering. I pray that that, that that gentleness and the patience that would be there would be there because it's not all about this life right now. It's about storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. It's not about us pulling everything off. It's about him doing it. It's looking at him and seeing his patience towards us to where it ought to filter out to those around us with just patience. When we have our minds set on things above, you will be patient with those that are around you today. Forgiving one another, forbearing with one another, forgiving one another. I think bearing with one another is, we've had people around you do stuff. It's not sin, but they just bug the heck out of you. It's not sin. It's like you can't be like, dude, you're in sin. No, you just annoy me. And so you talk about that, like you can't be like, okay, we're going to do church discipline because you are the most annoying person in the world. God just says, bear with them. Why? Because you're annoying too. I mean, you look at your life and you look at who God is and you go, what, he's done for you? He bears with us, doesn't he? I mean, God's not there going like, man, you guys, you guys, just, you're such a blessing to me. He bears with us. Even when we're not in sin, he still bears with us. But he also forgives us, forgiving one another. We're to forgive. I mean, if we're to set our minds on things above, we will be a forgiving, forgiving people. Amen? It's going to change us. I mean, it's hard to hold a grudge against somebody and not forgive them when you look at all the weight of your sins being hurled into the depths of the sea and remembered no more. God, help us to set our minds on things above to where we look and we say, I'm going to forgive just as Christ has forgiven me. Our minds go there. It says here, so you also must do. You must do that. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. If you're going to set your mind on things above, it's going to cause love to come out of your life. You're going to see, oh, you're new to the church? How can I just love you? You may not want to say it that way. It's weird. But think that way. Think that way. I, I, just want to, I want to love you. How do I love you? 
How do I pour myself into you? I just want to love. I want to love those that are around me. Set your mind on things above. You have risen from the dead. When he rose, praise God, we rose with him. Easter, we rose with him. You're no longer dead in your sins and trespasses. You have been made alive. Your identity is in him. Therefore, walk that way. I want to close with one passage that I think will be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Or, shall how, or how, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father... Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if you have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Even so, in light of Easter, walk in newness of life. You have been made alive. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we love you so much and we love the gospel. We love that you have forgiven us and we love that you have made us your people. You've made us alive. You've caused us to rise again from the dead with you. You are our our federal head that we belong to. We're found in you and we praise you for that. I, I pray, Lord, that We would think about your resurrection and us rising with you. And on this morning, it would cause just radical affections to take place in our hearts towards you. Now be glorified through the praises of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.